Um, I'm Morgan Flores and I play for the UW softball team and this is Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there everybody and welcome to episode 131 of Circling Seattle Sports. This is the podcast version obviously. Um, If you're listening to this I do apologize if I don't sound I guess as chipper as I might. Um, Had a tough weekend uh but with that being said we have especially with uh the time that's being that this is being recorded at, we have some some good news here um some seasons getting underway one particular one hoping to get underway in the near future um but with that being said we will hop into things uh, first with some notes in the seattle seahawks uh, and team related notes on the 23rd of the month the team reportedly had begun contract talks with safety quandre Diggs. there's no further details um, on the extent of that deal, if there's you know, how close they are to one, the length, the money range, uh, just the report coming out that uh, that has begun uh, with digs and that there's obviously interest. I'm sure it just uh, there, there's some progress that has begun uh, in relation to uh, bringing back uh, the team's pro bowl free safety. Um, on the 24th, uh, the Seahawks reportedly um, were expected to make a strong run to try and re-sign Rashad Penny. So uh, the question about whether or not Seattle is interested in bringing back their running back who had a breakout second half of 2021 can be silenced. It is now uh, clear that uh, there is interest to bring back Penny. So now it's just a matter of, uh, I guess, details here um, to see how that all will fall into place. Um, what Penny wants to do as well. I know that he has stated uh, towards the end of the season, he'd like to be with Seattle. So, excuse me, that is something uh, to be discussed, but some important things to look at, uh, you know, with all of the contract situations that Seattle has, you know, going to be, there's a lot of financial decisions that Seattle has to make. I know that I think we're looking at $36 million in cap space um for the Seahawks so uh you know taking that in consideration you know you've got a you've got Quandre Diggs to bring back Rashad Penny DJ Reed um Dwayne Dwayne Brown I believe also yes Dwayne Brown um so there's some, some important stuff I know that you know you can restructure some contracts Bobby Wagner uh can be restructured uh Russell Wilson can be restructured I know he was open to that last season um so that uh, those are some things uh, to look into uh, when that becomes around. I know that. Um, oh shoot! Give me one second. I gotta grab a notebook. Going uh, next week's show, episode one thirty-three. That'll be. Uh, we should definitely look at uh, free agents. So we will. Um, let's see here. Uh, episode one thirty-three. We'll go Seahawks, go free agency. So I've got that to look forward to. Um, uh, in terms of league news, on the 23rd, we've got a lot of stuff happening around the league. Um, on the 23rd, it was announced Tom Brady is going Hollywood. Brady will produce and star in a film titled 80 for Brady, a movie about Patriots fans going to the 2017 Super Bowl. Sounds kind of lame. Uh, <laughs> uh, also on the 23rd, Jimmy Garoppolo may need to be in San Francisco for another year. Trey Lance is reportedly not ready, and the 49ers could look 
to bring back Jimmy Garbage for another season. Uh, the Packers may let Devontae Adams hit free agency. Uh, Brian uh, Gutekunst says that it is possible that Green Bay could let the superstar wide receiver enter free agency as both sides are currently working on a long-term deal. Uh, and then we got murmurings that Troy Aikman may be joining the Monday Night Football crew. The Hall of Famer is close to leaving Fox Sports for ESPN's Monday Night Football broadcast. Uh, on the 24th, it was announced that Aaron Rodgers is close to making a decision. Uh, the quarterback will not reportedly keep Green Bay waiting for much longer. Uh, multiple teams have already made trade offers. Uh, also on the 24th, it was announced that Eric Bieniemy will be staying in Kansas City after some uh, caution about whether or not that would happen. The Chiefs offensive coordinator is uh, going to return after interviewing for various head coaching jobs. Uh, also that day, UCLA signed Ken Norton Jr. to be their linebackers coach. The Bruin Hall of Famer and former CX defensive coordinator uh, will become their new linebackers coach. On the 25th, the Colts uh, could be looking for a new quarterback. Indy is reportedly actively looking to upgrade over Carson Wentz before the March 16th deadline for the new league year. Uh, Sean McVay is not interested in a TV deal. The Rams head coach is reportedly committed to helping the team defend its Super Bowl title. Sean Payton is negotiating with Fox. Uh, the former Saints head coach is reportedly looking into broadcasting. And on the 28th, the Colts submitted an overtime rules chain to the NFL. The Indianapolis proposal would guarantee that each uh, team gets at least one possession in overtime. Both of those, um, oh, both uh, during the regular season and in the playoffs. And then also on the 28th, Troy Aikman wants to work with Joe Buck. Aikman said that he wants Buck to join him at ESPN, saying there's nothing I'd love more than to continue to work with him. So seems like the uh, Monday Night Football crew will be getting an upgrade there. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've always kind of, for, for a while, I haven't been a fan of the Monday Night crew. Um, and it's always just been like ESPN is this big conglomerate and they just seem to have a bad broadcast crew always from Monday night. So um, I'm not the biggest fan of Aikman and Buck, but I know that I would rather have them on it than um, who we've had in the past. Uh, so uh, that there's that. Um, that's somewhat important. Will Buck make the move? I have to figure um, that. Fox has got to be like, Hey, you know, we can't lose you. You know, uh, we already, we're going to lose bucket seems like. So that's, that's kind of interesting to note there. Um, going forward, uh, looking ahead, speaking, going forward looking ahead, the Seahawks uh, next really date to note is that the NFL combine will take place through uh, March 3rd through 6th. So we will likely see, well, depending on draft picks and all that um, we will likely see some future Seahawks, uh, taking place in the NFL Combine that takes place March 3rd through 6th. So that'll be important to note. It's always fun to see what uh, memories are made during the NFL Combine and who eventually uh, ends up with Seattle, whether that's through you know, being undrafted, um, obviously the draft, trades, uh, eventually ending up here as a free agent. So uh, NFL Combine makes memories here and there. Uh, continuing over to the MLB lockout, I would say that's the Mariners segment, but that's essentially been the MLB lockout segment uh, for a bit here. Uh, we do have some team news. Uh, the Mariners lost a, a member of the organization 
Uh, the Mariners family, uh, former Mariners player and broadcaster Julio Cruz passed away. Cruz was a member of the original Mariners team back in 1977, uh, uh, joined the club as the Spanish broadcaster in 2003. Uh, Cruz passed away on the 22nd of the month due to cancer. He was 67 years old. Um, so a, a rest in peace to Julio Cruz there. I remember um, it was during a game and I believe uh, July of this past month, uh, I was working at a, a store in the stadium right across from the stairs that lead up to the uh, um, sorry, my brain's totally forgetting what I'm talking about leading up to the press box area uh, at T-Mobile Park. Um, and this man comes up, comes up to the store and he goes, uh, I need a bag. Can you, uh, can I help me? I, I need a bag and some pens. And I look up from what I had been doing. I believe I had been working on some baseballs and I go, Oh, sure. Um, you know, uh, I'm like, Oh, sure. Uh, and I look up and I read the badge and it says Julio Cruz. I go, Oh shoot. That's Julio Cruz. Um, and I, I spoke to him a little bit. Um, I tried to not take up too much of his time because this was uh, prior to uh, first pitch. Um, and he was very, very kind. Uh, he was very encouraging about uh, my uh, sports journalism pursuit. Uh, just overall a great guy. Um, so that was really cool to speak with him about uh, and to hear his encouragement. Um, so, you know, I really appreciate that. And I just, uh, I hope the best for the, the family. Um, and, you know, I hope the, the best for Mr. Cruz and the legacy that he left because of all that I have read uh, about him in, 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 uh, in passing uh, is that he was, he was a great guy and left a similar impact on a lot of people. So um, thoughts with uh, Mr. Cruz and his family there. Um with continuing with the MLB lockout, we look over to uh, the lockout tracker that we've got here. Um, on the 23rd, it was announced that the league will cancel games if the deadline is not met. MLB said that regular season games will be canceled if a new collective bargaining agreement isn't reached by February 28th, stating that a deadline is a deadline. Salaries would be lost. Players would not be compensated for the full season. Um, only small changes were made. In the meeting on the 23rd, on the 24th, the owners were reportedly left unmoved by the MLB Players Association's presentation after logging another day of meetings with little progress on the new collective bargaining agreement. On the 25th, the MLB canceled more spring games. The league canceled three more days of spring training games with the earliest start being March 8th. Uh, MLB Commissioner Robert Manfred showed up at meetings for the first time. On the 26th, no progress was made. Uh, for a fifth straight day, the league and players failed to make significant progress towards a new collective bargaining agreement. Um, and then today is currently March 1st, 1225 uh, midnight. Um, the league met for, uh, um, I think it was 13 hours. Ooh, let me be 100% here. I want to get this right. Um, I want to get it right. We have, uh, I have actual important things to talk about um give 
give me one second. So the, 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 there were 13 meetings today. Um, 16 hours. Yes. The meetings lasted 16 hours today in hopes to get a new deal done. It was announced, uh, an hour ago. So around 1126, uh, PM that there will be no deal on a new collective bargaining agreement in this early hour. Uh, enough progress was made though, that major league baseball and the MLB players association will meet again later today in hopes of finalizing one. The deadline to miss regular season games has now been moved to two o'clock Pacific time. Uh, progress, uh, was made, but the union feels that the sides are far apart on the collective bargaining tax uh, minimums and pre-arbitration bonus pool. All the issues are tied together, but the CBT offer from the league starts at $220 million pre-arbitration at 25 million uh, minimums start at 675,000. Um, so if you don't understand any of those last few things I said, which I don't even fully understand all the time, um, What's going on is that the league and the players association have been meeting every single day since the 21st. Uh, the deadline set by a major league baseball was the 28th for the league to start on time for opening day to take place as pre- uh, currently scheduled. Um, and they met until around 11:30 PM tonight, Pacific time. Uh, and made enough progress to say, hey, let's meet again tomorrow um, and get something done by two o'clock if you want to start this league season on time. So that is currently what's going on with Major League Baseball right now. Um, It's frustrating because it's like, hey, why weren't these meetings taking place back in December? Um, But it's good to know that we're even getting this at all. So uh, with that being said, uh, looking ahead, the MLB obviously is still in a lockout, but by the time we talk to you next week, I am hoping, 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 hoping that Major League Baseball is back and that we have more to report on you. You know, if if the lockout ends tomorrow, we will probably have some deals to report uh, to you. So, uh, and also, if you want to catch those deals in more real time, uh, follow us on social media: Instagram, Circling Seattle Sports; Twitter, Circling Sports; Facebook, Circling Seattle Sports. Um, this is your time to check out Hom Seattle. That is H O M S S E A T T L E dot com. Hom Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Water break. Um <clears throat> Excuse me, man. Uh, as we move over to our Seattle Sounders here, uh, starting their regular season, but first continuing with the uh, 2022 CONCACAF Champions League tournament. On the 24th, the Sounders played Motagua here at home, winning that game five to nothing. Uh, play of the game number one would be midfielder Christian Roldan, recording a goal, an assist, uh, and one shot on goal. Play of the game number two would be midfielder Nico Ladero, recording one goal, one assist, and one shot on goal. Seattle advances to the quarterfinals uh, of the CONCACAF Champions League uh, to play Club Lyon. Now, if you don't remember from 2021, uh, this is a rematch of the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League final against Lyon. So Seattle potentially looking for some revenge here. Let's let's get some notes here, you know, from this game on the 24th against Motagua. So Seattle, you know, in leg one had come up with a 0-0 draw against Motagua. Uh, you know, basically, hey, if you get one goal and you end the game with a 1-0 deficit, 1-0 uh, lead, you win. You move on. All you needed was a lead. 
right? Seattle obviously does that, takes care of it. Nico Ladero scores in around the 36th minute. Uh, you know, first goal right kind of near the halftime mark kind of opens up things. Seattle scores four goals in the later half of the, the game. Uh, Leo Chu gets to score in the later half of the game. Uh, Jordan Morris gets on the board. Christian Roldan gets on the board, obviously. Um, Kellen Rowe gets on the board. So two substitutes get in and score. It's a big deal. It, it was a big deal, obviously, because you advanced to the quarterfinal, but also because Seattle really had not had that offensive explosion uh, since the Vancouver Whitecaps game where they won four to one to lock up a playoff spot. I believe that was in, um, I believe that was in October. That was also the last game that the Seattle Sounders won um, since from, from that Whitecaps game until this Motago game, the Seattle Sounders had not won a MLS contest um, or technically that one game against Motagua, but this one game, um, so that's a bunch of ties and a bunch of losses, most notably that loss to Real Salt Lake in the first round of the playoffs, uh, where you were not able to score in regulation and then you lose in sudden death penalties. Um, this felt in a way like, hey, the floodgates are open. This is the Sounders we know. We're going to get back to business. Skip three days ahead to February 27th in the MLS season opener uh, versus Nashville. You lose that game zero to one at home with an 80th minute goal. It's. Uh, I, I wrote about it in the article um, that I wrote for this game, and I talked about it in the CSS on Converge Sounders segment. Uh, something feels wrong with Seattle, at least in, in, in MLS play right now, right? Uh, I, and you can throw in that game against Motagua in like one. Something seems wrong. I don't know what the hell it is, but... In, in the game against Nashville, you lacked midfield cohesion. You lacked really any dangerous chances until late, until it was too late. Um, and things didn't even... It was interesting in the post-game press conference after the loss to the Nashville Soccer Club, uh, Stefan Fry said that 80, that goal they, they gave up in the eighth minute really kind of woke you up. Why weren't you awake already? You know, this is... this You, you have a disappointing end of the season. You, you know got knocked out of the playoffs way before you were supposed to be. Um, shouldn't you be, hey, you know, we need to come out this season and really get back to who we are. I don't know who this Seattle Sounders group is right now, right? What is, what, what is going on? You know, it doesn't even matter that Raul Ruiz Diaz was out of this game uh, due to a precautionary uh, measure. We'll get to that in a, a second with injury, injury news. Um, What's important to note is that you've got all these guys. You had retained most all of your significant contrib- uh, contributors. You signed Albert Rusnak. Obed Vargas, who's a 16-year-old, has been playing incredibly for someone who's 16. Um, and you, I don't, I don't know what's going on. There's no cohesion. You can't finish in the final third of the, uh, of the field. Uh, it's, it's, it's really weird. I don't know. It's not like the players seem downtrodden all the time either. It's just whatever happens on the, on the pitch is, I, it's just frustrating because you know how much talent there is and, uh, you know, how the Sounders have this reputation, you know, 11 seasons in the playoffs, uh, every single year of their MLS iteration. And right now you don't look like that club. You don't. You look like some middling club that, you know, 
So uh, that, that, that's my frustration with the Sounders um, as of, as of the current moment. So, um, so yeah, Seattle loses zero to one in their MLS season opener in terms of injury news. Uh, Ford Raul Rui Diaz was held out of the Nashville game and likely the Real Salt Lake game due to uh, precaution uh, with hamstring tightness. He was pulled uh, from the Motago game in the 60th minute. Uh, after that game, Brian Schmetzer said it was a precautionary measure, um, but did say that he, they were going to hold him out of the game against Nashville. Um, so uh, with him being out and forward, Will Bruin being out, uh, it was uh, young Samuel Adeniran who got the start up at, uh, at, at uh, that center forward sort of role. Uh, it was kind of difficult. Uh, Adeniran, he's young, he's got pants, he's got talent. Uh, but Seattle really lacked that presence of a, a high up midfield, a high up forward. Um, with that being said, Ford Will Bruin is expected back for the game against Real Salt Lake. So that's important to get Bruin back and to have it. What the heck? Excuse me, have a sort of uh, veteran presence uh, up at the top. Excuse me, up at the top of the hiccups. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I need to see them break through and begin to look like the real team that you know they should be really um and that'll have to take the place over a a good strong uh i'd say a month or so um because you know one game obviously isn't the answer um if if you just look at the Motagua game and then the following res- result uh, and then Nashville game. Uh, in terms of league notes, uh, MLS commissioner speaks on Neymar's comments about coming to MLS. Don Garber responded to Neymar saying that he would get, quote, three months of vacation due to a shorter season, which isn't exactly true as league's champion. The league champions, uh, New York City FC, got a lowly six weeks off. He essentially stated that players should not come to the MLS with the intention to use it as a retirement league. Uh, so. Looking at the current record, Seattle in MLS place, it's at zero wins, zero draws, and one loss. They're technically tied for last in the MLS, but it's week one. So, you know, don't worry about that as much. Uh, Looking ahead, uh, the Sounders will travel to Real Salt Lake uh, to look for some revenge from their early uh, playoff bounce uh, on March 6th with a three o'clock kickoff time. So, will Seattle has not had much luck winning in that building for a while. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that contest goes, see if they can exact any revenge. But even if there hadn't been that revenge factor, winning in uh, at Dural Salt Lake has been a problem for Seattle for a while. Um, so moving over to the Seattle Storm here. Uh, team notes on the 24th, the Storm signed Lauren Manis to a training camp contract. Manis has spent the last month playing with Athletes Unlimited. Uh, through 12 games, she's averaged 10.7 points per game, 5.5 rebounds per game, and 1.8 assists per game. So Seattle, uh, I believe, has one last roster spot left. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see who takes that spot and what Seattle may do to fill that spot. Um, so that's all we've got for storm news. Uh, now is your time to check out Maestro athletics. That is M A E S T R O A T H L E T I C S. That is Maestro athletics. Uh, they released. I don't actually know the official name for that. We should get that. 
Why is Russell Wilson posting Instagram story? Oh, he's got a haircut. Cool. Don't care. Um, Maestro Athletics. It is the... Oh. What? Okay. Um, sorry, folks. I'm trying to figure this out. Oh. Banned Irish corduroy hat. Um, so, yes, Irish corduroy hat. Uh, that is the Ode Fighting Irish. So, if you're Ode, uh, I would check that out. It is the uh, Fighting Irish logo, uh, just upside down with the word Irish on the side and the Maestro logo uh, on the side as well. Uh, you do need a password to get into the website. That is M A E S T R O A T H L E T I C S dot com. The password is banned. 22 altogether the word band and the numbers 22 the number 22 together so there is that for you um oh, interesting um as we move over to our seattle crack in here uh, over the past week they played three games uh first of which being february 22nd versus the new york islanders uh, losing that game five to two, player of the game centerman Riley Sheehan with a goal, a point, a one plus minus, three shots on goal, one hit, and one takeaway. On the twenty fourth, the team played the Boston Bruins, losing that game three to two in overtime. A similar uh, result as the last time they played Boston. Uh, player of the game would be defenseman Mark Giordano with a goal, a point, three shots on goal, two hits, and a block. Uh, on the twenty seventh. Uh, the team played uh, down in San Jose against the Sharks, losing that game uh, three to one. Played the game centerman Morgan Geeky with a goal, a point, two shots on goal, and one hit. Um, so we sadly move over to injury news. Uh, for Jared McCann was placed on IR on the 24th of the month. Uh, it is unclear what exactly that injury was. Uh, it's listed as upper body. So in hockey, you know, you kind of get the oh, it's upper body, but you have no idea what the hell that means. Uh, Hackstall said that hopefully not too long. And with that being said, uh, more uh, Jared McCann was actually um, at practice today uh, with the Kraken and, and was on the ice, did not have one of those uh, no contact jerseys on. So it, some positive news there. Uh, also, guys that are on IR that were able to um, hmm. – that were able to be at practice today include uh, Carson Kuhlman and Jaden Schwartz. Uh, also in the 24th, centerman Yanni Gord was a game-time decision but did play. Uh, when asked about it, Hackstall was vague about Gord's status, but he seems fine and has not been placed on IR um, in recent time, so that should be indicated that he is fine. Um unless something else has been lingering uh, and team related news on the 24th Ford Colin was recalled from AHL Charlotte. This is a corresponding move uh, to Jared McCann being placed on IR um, and league related news with everything that is going on in Ukraine and Russia. Uh, Russian hockey player, Alex Ovechkin has come into light also because of the fact that he has been a supporter of Vladimir Putin in, uh, in the past on the 25th, Russian player Alex Ovechkin was asked about Russia invading Ukraine. Uh, Ovechkin would condemn the war, uh, but say that Putin is my president. Um, on the 26th, former 
Uh, hockey player Dominic Hasek called for the NHL to suspend all of the league's Russian players, uh, but had his harshest criticism for Ovechkin, calling him a chicken shit. Um, so that is interesting. Um, it's tough to look at this situation, obviously. Um, Ovechkin, that is not the Ukraine thing. Obviously, full support to Ukraine. Um, I don't think that needs to be said, but they're, you know, people still surprise me. Um, Ovechkin, is, it, it's kind of a tough thing because, you know, the, the, the support for Putin, who's already a bad guy and has been since before this, right? Um, but also knowing that Ovechkin has his family over in Russia, and if he were to condemn anything else or say anything about Putin, his family would probably be hurt. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. I wouldn't necessarily call him a chicken shit for that, but I also wouldn't completely defend his actions. So I'm kind of split on this, but more so just leaning to hate this. You know, if you're supporting a shit guy, it's not exactly a good thing. So uh, in terms of team record and standings, the crack considered 16 wins, 34 losses and five overtime losses resulting in 37 points. Their division standing is eighth still in the Pacific division when that'll change. Probably never, probably never, maybe unless they go on a miracle run, probably next season. Uh, Looking ahead, the Kraken will return home uh, for a game on March 2nd versus the Nashville Predators at seven o'clock. March 5th at the Washington Capitals at 4 o'clock and March 6th at the Carolina Hurricanes at 4 o'clock as well, playing two of the times with some really good competition this upcoming week. Um, Heading over to our OL Reign here, the Reign will participate in the Portland Thorns preseason tournament. There will be three preseason matches taking place before the Challenge Cup. Games will take place in Portland uh, at Providence Park from March 5th through 11th with games against uh, Portland, the Chicago Red Stars, and the U.S. Women's National Team's under-23 team. Uh, so the, the Rain will play three games, the first being March 5th versus the Portland Thorns at 5 o'clock, March 8th versus the Chicago Red Stars at 5 o'clock as well, and then March 11th versus the U.S. Women's National Team, uh, U23 team at 5 o'clock as well. Not currently sure if those games will be streamed uh, and where they might be streamed. It might be Paramount Plus. It might not. I am not 100% sure. Uh, please follow us on social medias, uh, Instagram at Circling Seattle Sports, Twitter. What the heck? Um Twitter at Circling Sports, Facebook at Circling Seattle Sports, and we will do our best to keep you updated when we find out that information. Um, so no league news, no team news, no team record yet. Looking ahead, though, we do have an actual game that's coming up next week to report to you about. Uh, looking ahead, March 5th versus the Portland Thorns at the first game of that preseason tournament at 5 o'clock. Moving over to our Seattle Seawolves here, our resident pro rugby team. Uh, over the past week, the Seattle Seawolves, who are 3-0, and came into town. Not came into town. Uh, welcomed the Austin Gilgronies into town uh, with also an undefeated record. Uh, so a battle of the undefeated is the number one and number two teams in the Western Conference in Major League Rugby. Uh, Seattle would lose that game 18-25. to uh, Tough game there. Uh, Austin is really built to be a, a solid team. Uh, barring injury uh, throughout the remainder of the league season. Um, so it's not like, oh, this is just a bad loss to a bad team. No, this is a, this is a tough loss to a quality team. Uh, with that being said, I am not too worried about the Seawolves, um, considering that this is a team that has 
just a few mistakes um, that they need to correct going forward. And if they can do so, they are a dangerous team. Um, So, you know, going forward, I think that, you know, if you can um, fix those mistakes and you can work on that going forward, then you're pretty solid going forward. I said going forward, back to back. Um, If you can fix that, then you know you're in a good situation and Seattle um, should be good to go Uh, but that's obviously if you can fix those mistakes we know that um, some players are some teams are not able to do that Um, I'm looking at the Seattle Kraken right now Uh, so you know, we will uh, continue to monitor that and see how that goes as the season continues. Uh, but it, it's a good start to the season. You know, you're three and one, you're third in the Western Conference. Um, just fix that stuff and you should be looking at a, a good playoff run. But again, should isn't the same as will. Uh, looking ahead, the team plays March 4th versus Enola Gold with a seven o'clock, 7.30 p.m. start time. That is at Starfire Sports in Tukwila. Uh, tickets start at $20. Oopsie. Oh, I got to edit that Um, because I have to move that up. One second, please. All right. Okay. So no supersonics news, no dragons news, not until next year. That is as we head over to UW athletics here in terms of PAC 12 and general college news, we have something here. Uh, The NCAA will be relaxing its marijuana policy. The marijuana testing threshold will be raised in mandatory program and current penalty structure could be softened. Uh, Athletes will retain their eligibility uh, with up to three positive tests. So uh, that is notable news there with the NCAA. Um, As we head over to, why does it look like that? Uh, I'll worry about that later. Well, we head over to football in terms of team news. Uh, Mitchell Agude named UW as a transfer target. He is a 2021 second team all Pac-12 selection. Uh, the other teams that he is looking at are Tennessee, Miami, and Oregon. Um, and then in terms of general college football news, uh, college football attendance hits its 40-year low. The college football attendance uh, declines for a seventh straight season to the lowest average since 1981. Um, I mean, it's kind of tough coming off as we're still in the pandemic. So I wouldn't put too much stock into those numbers, but interesting to know that that's been a decline. I didn't know that that was uh, on the decline. I did not know that at all. Uh, in terms of men's basketball news here, as we switch over to basketball, uh, in terms of a game recap, uh, the Huskies played Washington State twice and the number 17 UCLA on the February 23rd game against Washington State in Pullman. Uh, the Huskies would lose that game 78 to 70. Player of the game would be PJ Fuller with 22 points, four rebounds, and two assists on the 26th versus Washington State back at home, winning that game 78 to 70. So, similar score there. Player of the game would be point guard Terrell Brown Jr. with 25 points, one assist, and six rebounds. And then the 28th versus number 17 UCLA, losing that game 77 to 66. Player of the game would be Terrell Brown Jr. with 20 points, two assists, and five rebounds. Um, so tough late there. I mean, to lose to Washington State in anything is porous, but to, uh, I mean, have to play UCLA, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough conference, uh, to play basketball in, uh, on either side of it. 
Uh, you just wish that UW was one of those teams that made it a hard contest to play in. Uh, so the record sits at 14 and 14. Their upcoming games to finish out the regular season for the men's team is March 3rd versus Oregon at seven o'clock here at uh, Heckhead and March 5th versus Oregon State at 430 uh, also at Heckhead. Oh, I got a sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so yes, yeah, March 3rd versus Oregon and March 5th versus Oregon State. Boop, 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 boop. Um, and then the women's team finished out their regular season on the road. First of those games being February 24th at Cal, winning that game 61-60. to 60. Uh, Player of the game would be forward Haley Van Dyke with 20 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists, going three for four from the three-point line. And then February 26th at number two-ranked Stanford, losing that game, a tough one, 56-63. Player of the game at Lauren Schwartz with uh, 16 points. Uh, one rebound and two assists. So the Huskies finish out the regular season. Uh, disappointing uh, to go uh, seven and 15. Um, they will play in the Pac-12 tournament because I believe every team plays in the Pac-12 tournament anyway. Um, so they finished 12th in the Pac-12. That is their seed in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, they will take on uh, Colorado. Uh, on March 2nd, with a 12 o'clock start time, the winner will face uh, Arizona on March 3rd, also at 12 o'clock. Um, heading over to baseball here on the 22nd, uh, the team played UC Riverside in a one-game uh, contest at UC Riverside, winning that game 13-4. to Player of the game would be third baseman Michael Snyder going three for five with two runs, four run, uh, runs batted in, and uh, one run left, wait, one being left on base once. Uh, then over to UC San Diego for a four-game series, opening up on the 25th at UC San Diego, losing that game two to seven. Player of the game would be first baseman Will Simpson going one for four with one run and one RBI, uh, recording a solo home run the day. February 26th at UC San Diego, winning that game six to three. Player of the game would be right fielder Kobe Morales with going one for four uh, with one run, two RBIs, and being left on base twice. February 26th. Uh, the second game of the day, losing that game two to six player of the game, left fielder, AJ Guerrero going two for three with one run batted in and a walk. And then on the 27th to finish up the series, uh, winning seven to nothing player of the game, left fielder, AJ Guerrero, once again, going two for five with a run two RBIs and being left on base twice. So, um, UW, uh, splitting the series there, uh, with UC San Diego, uh, sitting at a five and three record and 10th in the pack 12 in this early part of the season. Um, oops. So looking ahead to next slate of games, UW was supposed to have a March 1st matchup versus Gonzaga that has been canceled. Uh, unclear currently why I imagine there would be COVID restrictions of sorts, uh, but currently unclear did not see anything about that. Uh, so instead, they will take on Yale for a four-game series instead of having Gonzaga looped into there um, prior to that series. Uh, first game being March 4th against Yale at 6 o'clock here in uh, Seattle. Uh, the second game being March 5th versus Yale with a 12 o'clock start. Uh, a second, yes, a second game versus Yale that day uh, whenever that first game is over. And then March 6th versus Yale to finish out the series with a 105 start time. Uh, heading over to our softball team here. 
who played in the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic over the week. Um, starting on February 25th versus San Diego State, losing that game five to seven. Player of the game would be third baseman Bailey Klingler going one for two uh, with a run, four RBIs, and a walk. Player of the game. Nope, skipping. The second game of the day on the 25th versus Loyola Marymount, winning that game two to nothing. Part of the game would be first baseman Kelly Lynch going one for two with an RBI, a walk, and being left on base twice. Uh, February 26th versus number 16, Missouri, getting run ruled in this game and losing zero to 10. No play of the game for that one. February 26th versus number 18, Northwestern, losing that game zero to one. No play of the game in that one either. February 27th versus Iowa State, winning that game one nothing to get back on track. Player of the game, pitcher Gabby Plain, going seven innings, uh, only allowing four hits, no runs given up, uh, no walks, and nine strikeouts, moving to a 6-2 and two record on the season. So just, just to look at that uh, past week and even the losses that UW has suffered uh, before the Marionetta Classic, um, just as it was apparent last season with her incredible start to the year, uh, UW has to find a second ace of sorts or has to get more from their other pitchers. Um, the Huskies have struggled with that last year. Um, and it's you know become apparent in this one. The run rule game, Gabby Plain was uh, knocked up in that one and gave up the most runs she's given up in her collegiate career. Um but with that being said, you do have to find other parts of your rotation that are going to be able to, you know, you're, you're not going to have to sit, look at everybody else and say, hey, you know, we're worried about this because Gabby is not going. Uh, we've seen great performances from those other pitchers, but I think it's more of a consistency thing. Um, but it's also interesting to see how UW has um, joined these tournaments early on, and you can see that they're playing a lot of ranked teams uh, early on. So they will, oh, as we head over to team news, uh, on February 22nd, Bailey Klingler and Gabby Plain earned Pac-12 honors. Klingler named the Pac-12 player of the week uh, against ranked opponents on the last weekend. Uh, not this past weekend, but the one before that, because we uh, find this out the week after. Uh, Klingler went seven for 15 with eight RBIs, two doubles, and four home runs. Gabby Plain was named Pac-12 pitcher of the week, uh, going two for one over the last weekend with two complete game shutouts, allowing only two runs with 19 strikeouts and a weekend ERA of 0.78. Uh, UW sits at fifth in the nation. Uh, they are 11 and four, uh, 10th in the Pac-12, but that doesn't really matter because no one's played their conference yet. Um, hmm, or they're technically their conference schedule. Uh, looking ahead, uh, the team will play in the UNLV tournament starting March 4th versus New Mexico State with a 10 o'clock start. A second game that day at 1230, March 5th versus Houston at 1230. Oops, March 4th versus Houston. At 12, I don't know if I said that. March 4th versus Houston at 1230, March 5th at Houston, uh, versus Houston at 1230. Uh, the second game, March 5th uh, at UNLV at 530, and then March 6th versus New Mexico State at 9 o'clock. Uh, no men's soccer news, but we do have women's soccer news. Uh, in terms of team news, uh, Summer Yates was called into the U.S. Women's National Team U23 team. Uh, and then we have some upcoming games to look at. Uh, the spring schedule was announced for the Huskies. Uh, they will play April 9th versus University of Idaho at 12 o'clock, April 23rd at Gonzaga at 1 o'clock, 
and April 30th uh, to be determined opponent. Oh, wait. April 9th versus University of Idaho at 12 o'clock. April 23rd at Gonzaga at 1 o'clock. And April 30th to be determined opponent and time. But we have uh, we have some time in there. We have some games to know. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then we head over to our final team of the night. Well, of the show. Uh, for me, the night. Uh, the UW women's hockey team played their final game of the regular season. It was supposed to be against Boise State. But Boise State, I was told, Pulled out last minute. Uh, they had players backing out last minute. Uh, UW would instead play Seattle Women's Hockey Club, who graciously has spent a lot of time um, playing against UW, giving them time, uh, making time for them. Uh, February 26th versus Seattle, losing that game 8-14. to 14. It would be the most goals that UW has put up uh, this season, their inaugural season, so the most goals they've ever put up in a single game. Uh, player of the game would be Bridget, who recorded four goals and one assist. Um, I, I do want to reflect on the UW women's hockey team season uh, just from being able to start looking at covering the team uh, after the season had begun for them. Uh, they, they were the players and the coaching staff uh, were grateful. Even the parents retweeting my stuff on Twitter uh, all really incredible. Um, just really happy that I uh, was able to do that. Um, yeah, it was a really fun experience. Uh, it sucks that the season is over now. Um, but also knowing that um, talking to some of the players, and I will include that here to finish out the night. Uh, I, I was able to get some sound bites from some players. I had a first year, a junior and someone who had transferred into UW, I'll speak with after their final game about the seniors, uh, about next season, what they're excited about. Uh, so I'll pass that on to them here in a second. Um, but just um, really happy that I was able to cover them. I had, I was able to take photographs at the last game. I thought some of them turned out pretty well. You know, I'm not going to say I'm going to go into photography, but I thought, I thought some of them turned out pretty well. Um, but just eternally grateful for that group. Um, of Huskies, you know, both women and non-binary players um, and looking forward to next season. So uh, with that being said, this has been episode 131 of the Circuit of Seattle Sports podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media, uh, Instagram at Circling Seattle Sports, Twitter at Circling Sports, Facebook at Circling Seattle Sports. And we will see you next week uh, in March, hopefully with a new um I guess not a new, but, uh, but uh, yeah, well, I guess a new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, with that being said, I will hand it off to some members of uh, the UW women's hockey team. Baba Bowie. Okay, so I mean, if you just want to introduce yourself, I'll go left to right, uh, who you are position wise, and I guess year, because I mean, it's senior night, so just looking at that. Um, yeah, uh, my name's Sarah Ashworth. I'm a first year. And uh, I'm a forward. I usually play winger, but tonight I played center. Uh, I'm Cassie Star. I'm a junior, and I normally play winger. Um, I'm Victoria. Do I need to say last name? Nah, dude. Uh, <laughs> cool. um, Position year. Oh, I, I play right wing. Wait, no, left wing. Wait. One of them. Well, one of them. <laughs> wing works. You did right. Wing <laughs> you did right. Okay, because I'm left handed. So, um, uh, I just transferred here. Oh, yeah. really? So I came here um, for the 
I think this is like my fifth time on ice. Oh, okay. So, yep. so I mean, <laughs> with uh, the topic of senior night, I mean, how do you reflect on that group of players? I mean, it's just, obviously you've got a goaltender, so you've got a goaltender spot that opens up, and I know that's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but I mean, you know, with a new team and just something where you're kind of building it, people are learning the sport, you talk about being your fifth time on ice. Um, I mean, how do you reflect on any of those those Huskies? I mean, obviously, this is, I mean, the turnout tonight was great, and I would have liked to see that throughout the season, you know, but I mean, how do you look at, I guess, your first year as a whole? I would say that, I mean, the seniors were the ones who recruited everybody. Uh, I think that word of mouth was a really big contender in getting as many people as we did. Uh, I was recruited through the RSO fair at the beginning of the year, and um, Ariana or Ariana and Fani were the first ones to wave me down and go, hey, you ever played hockey? To which I said, no. They were like, you know how to ice skate? I was like, yeah. They were like, join the hockey team. And they just had, I don't know, they had so much passion for this project of theirs. They were so confident in the fact that, you know, in getting it off the ground and getting people and getting women out on the ice for the first time because where, where i'm from girls aren't girls don't play hockey i'm from ohio there weren't really any opportunities i mean hockey's a really big deal in my city i'm from columbus we got the blue jackets yep. but there weren't really any accessible clubs or there was there's no women's uh high school or middle school league or anything like that and so uh i honestly it's just been so encouraging i mean they just had like unending support. They only have love for everybody, and I don't think that this really would have become a thing without them. Uh, I think like right before the academic year started, I had just like decided I wanted to play hockey, huh. but I was looking around for a while trying to figure out something where I could actually learn. How to play because I had like I didn't know how to ice skate at all I had never really played a team sport uh, in a really long time and I kind of just came across the hockey team for UW and it was kind of like this perfect fit because I kept trying to find something that would work for me but it was always like I was not advanced enough or it was too basic where you're just learning how to like step on the ice for the very first time and I don't know, I'm like not sure if I would have actually kept playing if I didn't get to play with the UW team because there was just so much encouragement and it was like founded in helping people learn how to be better hockey players no matter what stage they are and so... Uh, no, everybody's out everyone's of there. Out? Awesome. <laughs> yes, so I'm pretty excited and I know that we're losing some like really awesome people because they're seniors but I felt like we built up so much momentum because of them and yeah. we have so many opportunities and I know that we're really excited to see where it goes and getting to play next year and having such a supportive team for new people to join us. So, yeah. You have anything you want to add to that? To what either of them said? Um, I've been trying to join the men's team at UW before I like got into UW. Oh, wow. And they never go back to me. We are, we're actually locking the rinks out. Okay. So you're welcome to hang out in the lobby. But so I guess, yeah, can you any one of you expand 
on what you might be looking into next season, whether it's recruiting friends, just recruiting in general, just getting back to playing, you know? Honestly, um, from what I've heard, people are, like, dying to know more about our team. We have so many new people who are like, we want you to join our tournaments, you know? We want to sponsor you. We want to do this with you. Wait, what? People want to sponsor us? I'm so excited for us to come <laughs> No, we're actually <laughs> starting to get sponsors now, which is insane. Do you have get paid? Okay, <laughs> not, okay. No, no, like, <laughs> we don't have to pay as many fees. <gasps> like, paying for our ice time and stuff. That's yeah. very exciting. We, we all pay for, like, everything out of pocket, all of our gear, all of our ice time. We don't get, like, embroidered custom like gloves like the men's team do or anything like that but but we're picking up so fast i think that the fact that we're a new women's team and we're kind of one of the first in terms of college that this city has seen Mm. is really really encouraging for a lot of you know young girls alumni whatever it might be and i mean we that's like the most fans we've ever seen i think (laughs) And just the fact that we had literally no one coming to our first game versus this at our last game is so, so encouraging. Uh, so I, I'm really excited for next year. I want to be a big part of that recruiting process. I want to be making all of that merch so everybody's wearing <laughs> our team. They know that it's out there, that we exist, that we're like always taking everyone. Because that's, that's kind of what got so many people into it this year was that it doesn't matter what kind of experience you have. Because we know that a lot of women aren't going to have experience. Just come play with us anyway. So mm-hmm. I like that positive mindset. And I think that's it's going to get a lot of people in no matter what. No, I totally agree. I was thinking like kind of one of the hardest things about hockey is that it's so inaccessible because of how expensive it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that was something that I had a hard time with at the beginning. And I know a lot of other people who are doing hockey for the first time on our team we're having troubles like getting gear together like on our very first day a lot of us just had helmets and skates <laughs> and then we kind of transformed to this so I'm really excited to see that like us expand and maybe have more opportunities to make our team like more accessible to other new players who haven't done anything finding ways for us to get cheap or like gear that's more affordable or yep. that they can borrow and having a lot more support uh from maybe like other people yeah other yeah. people coming to see us because we got bigger so we can focus a lot more on training new people and having a lot of opportunities for us to just keep growing and be I don't know just get bigger I'm excited yeah yeah you have anything you want to add to that nope. 